Welcome to Prairie Dock On Call, made possible by the generous support of Larson Manufacturing and many other corporations and individuals. Their gifts to the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, provide 100% of the funding for all Prairie Dock programs. Please follow the Prairie Dock on Facebook and YouTube, and go to prairiedock.org for more information on making a charitable gift. The pandemic has affected all of us. Women, particularly mothers, have felt the impact in unique ways. Mothers in crisis, pandemic stress. Tonight, on call with the Prairie Doc. Good evening and welcome to On Call with the Prairie Doc. I'm Dr. Jill Cruz. We are finally seeing the dim flicker of a light at the end of the COVID-19 tunnel. While we still have a long way to go, we can begin to look back at some of the effects of the pandemic. But first, a look at this week's Prairie Doc quiz question. Multiple choice tonight. How many women have dropped out of the U.S. workforce as a result of COVID-19? A, 550,000, B, 1.4 million, C, 2.3 million, or D, 3 million? Viewers who call in the correct answer will be entered into a drawing to win a copy of the book, The Picture of Health. Each of Dr. Holmes' essays, originally written for On Call with the Prairie Doc, comes with a wonderful accompanying photograph by Dr. Judith Peterson. We will announce the answer and the winner at the end of the show. Remember, you only have 10 minutes to get your answer in. We answer your questions about COVID-caused stress as they are called in or sent to us via Facebook or email. Call in questions to 1-888-376-6225 or send us an email to the address on the screen. Joining us tonight in the studio is Dr. Clarissa Barnes of Avera Medical Group Hospitalist, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad you could make it. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here. Yes. Well, tell the viewers a little bit about your background, where you're from, what brought you to Sioux Falls. Uh, so I'm originally from Yankton, and then, you know, over the course of my career, uh, I've worked in several different places in South Dakota, Yankton, Pierre, and now I'm in Sioux Falls working as a hospitalist, taking care of, you know, patients in the hospital, which, of course, for the last year has included a lot of COVID. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also married and I have three small children, so it's been sort of a, a very different and difficult year. Yes, and I have two children as well, and my daughter was so pleased uh, with the, the newspaper article I, I put their names in that, and she's like, my name's going to be in the paper, Ma? I, yes, <laughs> you would have thought I made her a, a superstar, so. So yes, so you've had to deal with being a healthcare frontline worker with children, same here, so we'll, we'll talk about yeah. what it's like to be moms during a pandemic. Not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> not, not something that uh, either of us, I think, uh, anticipated or, or... No, yeah, certainly not. Could have prepared for, so. All right, excellent. Well, let's start getting to some questions here. So, a Facebook follower says, when I'm exhausted, it seems like anything could trigger an outburst. Any advice on how to recognize when I'm nearing my limit? Oh, so that is, that's a good question. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, so this predates COVID for me. 
uh, you know, it's funny. You know those Snicker commercials where like you'd be like, you know, yep. you, you yes. need a Snickers. Yes, exactly. Yep. So I get notoriously hangry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that I got notoriously hangry, um, but I would sort of like, you know, be a little bit irritable anytime I got hungry. And it was my husband who would always say like, you know, poke me be like, hey, do you, do you need a snack right now? And I'd be like, no, no, I don't need a snack. I'm fine. Um, but eventually sort of over time, like I realized that he was noticing things before I did. And now I've gotten to the point where like I can notice too, but it's, it's very similar to sort of other outbursts. Like sometimes it's very difficult to be aware of what's happening in ourselves in that moment. And so honestly, the first best thing would be, if, is there someone around you that you trust that can sort of clue you into what your early warning symptoms are? Can they say, hey, anytime you are about to explode, I notice that you start breathing really fast or your expression changes or whatever. And if they can help sort of give you those clues, it'll help make you more aware of them in the future. Yeah, I know. With my husband, he gets really quiet. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you haven't said much. Yes, and, and I think sometimes having a, a nice little clue, a phrase, or something you can gently say to remind them. Um, at least in my house, we have the code. Um, my husband and I, either one of us can say to the other, you think you're funny, but you're not. When they've just pushed <laughs> it a little too far with, with saying yeah. something, and they're digging just a little too much. So you can, you know, if you've got some sort of code with with family members or you know with someone you yeah. trust to, to clue in and say you know you you might want to yeah it, it took him years but now when he says like hey i think you need a snack i'm like you're probably right like i'm not even going to question you because you've been around <laughs> me long enough to know and so that trust yeah is something that's really important mm-hmm. yeah definitely knowing knowing your family members and and being able to have that open or friends that you yeah. know I, I've called friends, you know, just by the way they, they picked up the phone and said hello. I'm like, oh, are you okay? Yeah. Is something wrong? And yeah, so I think it's much easier to see in someone else sometimes than yeah. to see in yourself. Um, so humans are perceptive, but least about ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> so so pay attention to those early warning signs from other people and, and friends and family. So if they're concerned, yeah. you, you probably should listen to them. They might just be right. So. All right, so next patient uh, caller says here, I appreciate social media to stay in touch with family and friends when we can't visit in person, but I find if I read through social media posts and comments, I get overwhelmed with all of this negativity. What do you recommend about stress caused by using social media? Ooh, I think that's a common stress at this point because, you know, social media, when it first came out, was very exciting. Like you could interact with people, people far away. It was awesome. And now with COVID and seeing people less and less, like we've relied on that a lot more for sort of our social lives. You know, there came a point when COVID was sort of really bad Mm -hmm. where I, you know, was working in the hospital and then I would come home and I would try and relax and like, Mm -hmm. you know, do a little Facebook, do a little whatever, you know, I'm old Facebook, (laughs) you know, whatever, whatever social media of choice. Um, But then you would find like, you know, friends and family members saying things about COVID and you're like, oh, well, this is really setting me off. It's actually making me feel more upset instead of less upset. And so sometimes the answer is you just have to step away and say, look, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do any social media right now Mm -hmm. if it's too upsetting. Or sometimes you just have to find other boundaries. Like, look, I need this messenger app because that's how I interact with these family members, but I'm not gonna go to this part of social media because that's Mm -hmm. where I interact with people who are not my core group or whatever. You really have to sort of figure out like, what are the things that are not good for me? And, And honestly, just sort of say like, 
that maybe that's a boundary and I just don't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think finding those boundaries, setting those boundaries, you know, and there are ways that Facebook allows you to, you know, you can quote, take a break from someone where you basically turn yeah. off their posts for 30 days, but you're still friends with them. It just maybe gives you a, a cooling off time. I know during the election, there was a lot of people taking breaks from a lot of other people on Facebook, um, just because there was so polarizing yeah. ideas. So yeah, I think sometimes stepping away is an important thing to do. Just it's it's not serving you well if you feel more stressed out. The point is right. to feel connected to people and you know fill that social part of your life. And you find that it's making you feel worse. Then that's it's not the right thing. Yeah, if it's not serving you, don't don't, don't use do it. it. Exactly. So you know, kind of stepping back, going old school, and call them. <laughs> yeah. Phone call, you phone call, text, text people. Exactly. Yeah. So other ways of getting that social connection that's not necessarily. Yeah. And the internet, it's so easy to be mean on the internet because you're faceless and yeah. you're not saying it to anyone directly. You're not going to hear it back. So I, I think people sometimes can say stuff that they want to say to your face yeah. or, you know, they want, uh, want their mother to hear them say because they have that that platform and unfortunately once it's out there it's it's out there so yeah. but it, it can be really useful especially if you sort of find a way to limit it to the people that you really want to interact with and sort of you know isolate yourself more from people that maybe will be you know stressing you out exactly exactly so all right so a caller from yankton just came in and said i feel like i'm on a treadmill and i'm about to fall off are there employee benefits available or counseling? What should I seek out? So yeah, most businesses, you know, have some sort of employee assistance program, you know, some sort of benefit where you are allowed to, you know, sort of have, you know, usually there's certain amounts of sessions for free even mm -hmm. where you sort of can talk to a counselor about what's going on. If nothing else, there should be someone with your HR program who can be able to sort of direct you to where that benefit yeah, is. So definitely, you know, I, I always tell people that EAP benefit is there for you to use it. Yeah. It doesn't cost you anything. I know Avera has an EAP program. You get, I think, what, three or four free counseling sessions? I don't know, don't quote it. me on it. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me on that, but. Some. I know you get, there is a set number that you get for free. And then if you wanted to extend it, you know, you can see if your insurance or, or cash yeah. pay to, to continue with that. But sometimes that's all you need is just a few times talking with a neutral third party to just get all of those feelings and, and thoughts. Because it seems like it's those thoughts that lead to the feelings that unfortunately lead to the actions and the outcomes. And if you don't like your actions and outcomes, we gotta work backwards and, yeah. and try to deal with those feelings and deal with those thoughts that are triggering them. So. Yeah, certainly if you feel like you're running on a treadmill, like that's not a good place to be. No, so. no. So, so definitely, you know, kind of what got you onto this treadmill and, and how do you step off? How do you, or at least slow it down to a, right. to a light jog rather than a full out sprint. <laughs> no sprinting. No sprinting on treadmills. No. So definitely. All right. So an emailer from Peer asks, household chores in my house are unequal. How do I go about changing this? <laughs> oh. You know, I think it really depends a bit on your relationship and what unequal means. You know, does mm -hmm. equal mean we both do equal number or does equal mean like this person does more because they have less, you know, out of house responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And honestly, clarity and communication are the key to sort of figuring that out because 
There certainly it's not uncommon to have one spouse very, very frustrated because they feel like things are uneven and the other partner to be completely clueless. Oh, yeah. It's completely like, I don't know, I thought they were happy. I didn't know that there was any issue, mm -hmm. you know. So really having a conversation where you sort of have like delineated like this is what is not working for me and then sit down with your partner in a way that's you know sort of non-threatening just you don't do enough work around that yeah <laughs> yeah i find you statements don't tend to go yeah. over where well you don't do this you don't do that you need to you should instead of placing it with i yeah. i feel overwhelmed i need yeah. help i need you and especially um with my husband i have found this this goes for anything be specific not, you know, it would be really nice if someone got me something for Mother's Day. It was, I want this bracelet from this store. Here is the ad. Please go get it. Or, you know, I made reservations for us to go to brunch at yeah. this at, at 1230. You know, and, and sometimes waiting around for someone to give you what you want, you're going to be disappointed. If you say, this is what I need. Yeah. This is what will help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe finding things that you don't mind doing. And like you said, it doesn't mean that you, you have to, you know, if I washed 50 plates and my husband washed 40, oh my gosh, it's not equal. Yeah. Well, he doesn't mind washing dishes. He actually kind of likes it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate washing dishes. I will clean the toilets. I will clean the bathrooms. I like that. I like that beautiful before and after, Yeah. you know, so I, I That's don't. That's not me. <laughs> So, but everybody's got their thing. Exactly. So find what your thing is. And if you're saying, my gosh, everything's my thing. This is not, you know, yeah. what, what is something that they would be willing to pick yeah. up? And you're right, being specific. Like going to them and saying, look, I need help. I need you to do more. Like, okay, that's a start. But being yeah. like, hey, I need you to pick up the garbage and be, that be your chore because I can't do it anymore is a lot mm -hmm. more actionable and specific and helpful because you know what? Even the best relationships, nobody's a mind reader. Like yeah. they may know you really, really well, but they can't actually know what you want until you verbalize it. Exactly. And, and I know mothers especially have a lot of what we call the mental load where we mm -hmm. keep these running checklists in our head of all the things that need to get done. Okay, this permission slip needs to get signed. And you know, do I have to check? My daughter has a cereal box project on Amelia Earhart. I'm like, okay, has she read her books? Has she printed off her pictures? Has she, oh, I've looked at the rubric. Okay, when is this due by? You know, so I'm yeah. kind of keeping track of all my kids' studies. When they were doing schooling at home, it was even more overwhelming with all of that. And, you know, my husband's like, oh, did they do that? I don't know. I was like, did <laughs> they, I'll come home, like, did they read yet? I don't know. Did you ask them? <laughs> Did you tell them to read? Oh, maybe, you know. So it, and it yeah. can lead to this frustration and, and anger and resentment if it's yeah. not addressed appropriately or um, in a timely manner. Yeah, because so. ultimately, usually there's one person who's responsible for each of those sort of like emotional tat, you know, yeah. like, hey, I'm the person who knows what's in the fridge and what needs to go and what the schedule for, you know, grocery shopping and that sort of mm -hmm. stuff is. And like, even if you don't know that I know that, like I can tell you how many bottles of ketchup we have in the storage and how many, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I know all those yeah. things, you know? And so being able to say, you know what? I need you to know all the things about like the kids' school project. Like that's going to be your thing. Right. And, you know? and, and knowing who's responsible for what, because um, I'm sad to say that we have a graduation card that's been sitting uh, from last year that has not yet been mailed out to oh, no. my husband's nephew. I really apologize. Because it was one of those, I picked up the card from the store, and then I, one day I was like, well, how much do you want to give him? And 
he never got back to me. <laughs> so I never wrote out a check and, and never sent it. And now Sean has been graduated and, and off to college. And I'm like, oops, um, I feel bad. <laughs> well, now it's going to be a fun surprise. Now it's going to be a fun <laughs> surprise when he gets it this year. He's like, whoa, I graduated last year. But you know, yeah. it, again, that was a, a mental task. I was like, get yeah. the card, get it mailed out. And then it just COVID hit and things got lost. Yeah. So well, those are the first things to go. Like, you know, when COVID hit and mm -hmm. kids came home, you know, for distance learning, and then there was all these other tasks that we had to do around. Like, I had to let some of that go. I had to be like, you know what, I can't, I can't keep track of those things. Yep. Like, you know, Chris, you need to take care of those things or they're not gonna get done because I don't have any mental bandwidth anymore. But mm -hmm. there's no way for them to know that unless you yes. help them. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's very easy to be a perfectionist and to allow B minus work. <laughs> And so my yeah. kids make their bed at B minus level, sometimes C, but you know, they're making their bed. Yeah. And probably the worst thing I could do would be go in there and redo it and you know, make it that A plus, perfect tight yeah. hospital corners. Does it really matter? No. Yeah. Am, I, am I making yeah. it mean something to me? I did. Did I learn <laughs> to let it go? <laughs> I think we've all learned what things really don't need to be done yeah. this year. You know, there's a lot of tasks where you're like, you know, I'm not sure that that's as important as I ever thought it was. And mm -hmm. maybe when you know, this is all over, we're not we're not going to keep we're not going to do that again. We're yeah. not going to pick those tasks back up. Yeah. We're just going to let them go. And and giving yourself permission to yeah. be human, yeah, and and not to be perfect all the time. But it's hard, especially you know, there's a lot of Type A physicians out there. Yes, there are, <laughs> you know, yeah. among them. But you have to, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yes. But you have to sort of be like, you know, I can do all these things or I can let some of them go and be happier. Exactly. And happy beats perfect every yeah. single time. So, all right. The pandemic has caused stress in many ways for pregnant women and women trying to get pregnant. And many are concerned about the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine. Prairie Doc producer Ginger Thompson asked Sanford's Dr. Keith Hansen how pregnant women can stay safe during the pandemic. Do not get the disease. And the best way to avoid it is hand washing, mask, masking, and social distancing, as well as there's now a vaccine available. Um, and this vaccine appears to be very safe, um, you know, but you know, with the caveat that it was not studied in pregnant women. And so we wanna be very careful, um, but all the studies are ongoing, appear to be, it appears to be safe, everything that's ongoing. And of course, we're learning every day that we uh, more and more about this disease. It does appear that the, the antibodies that are created during the vaccine, which actually are higher than if you get the disease itself, actually appear to cross the placenta and get into the baby system. And early studies also suggest that, uh, that those antibodies get into the breast milk and also may help protect the baby. You know, immunizations are amazing. They help protect so many um, adults out there, but they really help to protect our, our children and our little babies. If you're trying to get pregnant, making it a great time to get, to get the vaccine, because if you're not already pregnant and it appears to be safe during pregnancy, then why not get it, you know? Like anything, it has side effects, but it's a lot less um, of a problem than the actual disease, which is what happens for a lot of the vaccines. How does stress impact fertility? Stress 
in and of itself can have an adverse effect upon the way the hypothalamus pituitary and ovarian axis works. So in other words, it can sometimes affect, you know, ovulation. Um, a good example is, you know, um, one level of stress that people consider is the stress of running. There's some women who will go out and run every day, like, you know, preparing for a marathon, and they will completely shut their period off from the stress of the running and shutting the pituitary gland down. And they won't ovulate, they won't be able to get pregnant or anything. Other women, while they're running, they continue to ovulate, they continue to be able to get pregnant. And so stress um, can have an impact upon the uh, way that the ovary works, but it is variable depending on the person and upon that person's ability to work, you know, to work through those issues and stuff. And, and um, it's hard because there's, everybody is different. One level of stress for one person does nothing. The same level of stress in another woman completely shuts her ovulation off. A couple rumors uh, that were swirling around the internet were that the vaccine could cause infertility or birth defects, and, and that since the vaccine wasn't studied enough uh, because it was rushed to market, do you want to talk about those or dispel any of those rumors? Or? Yeah, I mean, I would say that those rumors are, in fact, rumors and are not based on facts or science. You know, I think that there's a little bit of a misnomer because the vaccine w sort of went from beginning to end so quickly that it was rushed. I mean, a lot of the science that they used to develop this vaccine had actually been in the works for another, per, you know, another purpose for a long time. So it's not like they just sort of started from scratch. It's more like they took something and altered it and changed its purpose. Um, and they still followed all the same safety protocols, but were able to sort of, you know, focus on it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing what you can do when you don't have to worry about, you know, yeah. trying to do 20 different things at the same time. I mean, the focus really was the vaccine, the vaccine, vaccine, because that's what we need. Um, but the idea that there's any, I mean, you know, infertility is a scary thing to throw around, right? It like is. nobody wants to sort of, you know, feel like they've done something in taking a vaccine that has sort of permanently changed uh, their body. But there's nothing about any of these vaccines that should cause any sort of fertility problems. There's just, it, it doesn't scientifically make sense. And yeah. we haven't seen it anecdotally either. Right. You know, it's not something that we've seen in any of the side effects afterwards. So mm -hmm. it's safe. Yes. I took it. I took it. <laughs> Without hesitation. Exactly. That's one thing I tell my patients. If doctors were worried about it, we wouldn't take it for ourselves and our loved ones. And, you know, we're the first ones lining up, rolling up our sleeves saying, please give it to us. Because we've yeah. seen what it can do to people. And, you know, we see what the vaccines yeah. can do to save lives. And I think, you know, what people have to keep in mind is that anything that we do has risk. It's not like the answer is, well, if I take the vaccine, there's a risk. And if I don't take that vaccine, there's no risk. Right. You know, if I take the vaccine, you know, could you have one of the very rare side effects of any medication? Mm -hmm. Sure. But if you don't and you get COVID, then, you know, there's risks associated with that. And we've seen that, you know, it can be deadly even for younger, healthy people. So mm -hmm. you sort of have to weigh your options. Yep. Someone once said, one of my uh, pharmacology professors said, if you read the side effect profile of ibuprofen, you would never take it. If yeah. you found out how many people died a year from taking ibuprofen, you'd think, oh my gosh, why is this drug on the market? It is yeah. deadly. So it's all, yeah, risks benefit. Yeah. So, all right. Speaking of, 
so, um, you know, the risks with everything, I mean, everything in medicine, we kind of balance between what is the risk of taking it and what's the benefit. And if the benefit outweighs the risks, we move forward. Yeah. Because nothing is ever 100% safe. No. <clears throat> I wish it were. I, I mean, that, I think that that's sometimes part of, you know, the familiarity of certain medicines makes us feel like they're 100% safe. safe. It's like, yeah. okay, well, aspirin, I can buy that over the counter, so it must be 100% safe. safe. But, yep. you know, people get GI bleeds from aspirin yep. at normal doses. Like, that just happens, and that's, you know, not unknown, but that doesn't mean we stop using aspirin, you know, for heart attack prevention because it's still much more beneficial in those people. So. Exactly. Yep. So, all right. So one uh, viewer wrote in that they've had long haul COVID symptoms for seven months now. Where should they turn for help? So that one's hard because there are people that are what we call these long haulers. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I have seen is actually getting your vaccine seems to be benefiting these people. So if they go in, get the vaccine, that seems to be helping turn around some of those long haul uh, yeah. people that are really struggling, but it's, it's real. It's, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think in this case, like your primary care physician is really sort of your best bet because mm -hmm. long haul COVID, I mean, we use that as sort of a one term, but it's really a very heterogeneous group. I mean, there's right. lots of different kinds of symptoms people have with long haul. And so your, your regular doctor can sort of say, okay, well, if your primary problem is fatigue, like how can we work on that? Or if you have neurological problems, you know, maybe they involve, you know, someone else or whatever. Right. But, if it's a loss of sense of taste or yeah. smell, you know, you yeah, know, do you talk to ear, nose, and throat? It, it's all these, yeah, yeah, what, it's not one specific, it, it's a big spectrum it's, of it's symptoms. It's many things, and for <laughs> mm -hmm. some people it's things and then it's different things. You know, it's one symptom for a couple months and then it's a different symptom, and so it's yeah. very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think, you know, we're gonna learn, just like for COVID, we're gonna have to keep learning more and more about sort of what long-haul COVID really means and the things that we can do, but close contact with your doctor or at least allow you to sort of be in the loop anytime something new comes up too. Exactly, yeah, so, good. Uh, what are your recommendations regarding COVID vaccination for kids 16 and older? And also, uh, what can we share regarding vaccines for kids under 16? So I'm kind of throwing you under the bus here as an internist. <laughs> this is not your forte. I deal with 18-year-olds and older. No. There you go. <laughs> but I, I mean, so. I, have, I have had friends ask me sort mm -hmm. of generally what they think, you know, and I know people who've had their, you know, teenage kids vaccinated. Mm -hmm. You know, the study population for, you know, the same vaccine that I got is 16 and older. Right. You know, I think that if you have a child of that age, it's very reasonable to get them vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to hear in the very near future, you know, that we're going to start allowing that age to come down quite a bit. Yep. I think I had read somewhere that they were hoping like September to get kids down to, I want to say like six. It's yeah, two, I think it might even be. Down I think to we're going to be down to eleven in mm -hmm. within probably within the month, within the, and then yeah. the next set and will then be hopefully down to six, and then they're even talking down to like two, and yeah. then down to like six months. So they're really trying to slowly open up. So hopefully by the time the kids are back in school, yeah, many of them will have had the opportunity to get vaccinated. Yeah, and I think everybody's you know going to have to obviously you have to make your own decisions about what right. you do with vaccinations, but the same time, like your choices about vaccinations are not just your choices, they're also the choices of everybody that you interact with. Exactly. So that definitely is, is a challenging yeah. thing to deal with, so. All right. My friend says that she's doing some diaphragmatic breathing to help her relax, but I'm not sure what that is. Can you talk about the technique and many, maybe demonstrate it, so. 
I don't know if you want to demonstrate. I, mean, I, I can not, demonstrate. Yes. You can demonstrate. So, diaphragmatic breathing. So that's breathing from the diaphragm. Yeah. So any singers out there, this is the muscle you use to really project your voice mm -hmm. and get that breathing out there. So uh, another name for it is belly breathing. That's probably a, easier a, yeah, to a understand. vernacular for Yeah, better, a little more easy to understand. So you're basically putting your hand on your stomach, taking a deep breath in and feeling your hand rise and fall with those breaths. So... You know, breathing in and out and just feeling your stomach go in and out. Because a lot of people when they're stressed or nervous, they have shallow and it's just the, their shoulders going up or their ribs going in and out here. But we want the air to go all the way down to the stomach, breathing in and out. And those kind of deep, what we call cleansing breaths. So yeah. that's what's going to help with there's things. a reason why that's the kind of breathing they tell you to do for any sort of you know yoga meditate you know any of that sort of thing childbirth yes yeah, child <laughs> anything where you want to be more relaxed than you are you know yeah. which yeah. at this point you know is, is all the time is all the time yes so all right so a viewer from Miller says in this past year I seem it seems like I cry about everything what are your thoughts about crying is it normal should I hide it from my kids or let them see me cry? That is a complex question. So it is. is crying normal? Yes. yes. Can it also be abnormal? Also yes. Yes. You know, like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it really has something to do with excess, you know, the sort of the reason for crying. You know, if you just lost a very significant person in your life and you're grieving and you're crying a lot, like, that, that's normal. You know, you don't have to bottle that up and you don't right. have to try and hide it from your children. They should understand that, you know, mommy's sad because, you know, grandpa died or whatever. Right. Like, that's normal, and we should allow kids to see, you know, expressions of normal human emotion. Right. That's important. We don't want them to grow up thinking mom and dad are robots. And, and never <laughs> cry and never, never show any Never emotion. have any emotions, exactly. no. But, you know, if you find that you're crying all the time and you don't even really know why you're crying and you feel like it's excessive for you and you think maybe it's due to something else, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever, mm -hmm. like... Maybe that's something where you don't just sort of say, well, crying is normal. Maybe that's something where you need to talk to your doctor and say, okay, I think maybe I need to do something about sort of the underlying cause for why I'm crying. Yeah, exactly. Point. I mean, there's a big spectrum right. of, <laughs> of unfortunately, how much and there's, why. <laughs> there's never a black and white answer in medicine we're finding. Yeah. It's, it's usually kind of shades of, of gray of what is, you know, even normal. What does normal even mean? I don't yeah. think we, I had a medical school instructor that would, dock off points if you wrote exam was normal because she's like there no such thing as normal tell me what you saw you yeah. know we can have expected findings but normal doesn't exist yeah so and there's there's all gradations i mean really it's is this crying amount abnormal for you yes you know and is it impairing your life yeah. and impairing your relationships um but yeah you know and i think it's also um age of your children takes a big difference. You know, crying in front of your four-year-old versus crying in front of your 16-year-old, very yeah. different connotations. You know, four-year-old, you know, why are you crying, mommy? Are you okay? Are you, yeah. you mad? Are you, did I do something wrong? Yeah. You know, give me a hug. Yeah. You know, 16-year-old will definitely get their attention. So yeah. I think taking into account your um, age and um, of the children, their maturity level and, and kind of what you're dealing with. So, yeah. yes. So speaking of mothers, the pandemic hasn't been easy on anyone, but it has affected mothers in more ways than we know. Karma Burnt shares some networking opportunities for mothers in the Brookings area Bethel Baptist Church. The goal of women's ministry is to get 
um, the ladies in our church and ladies in the community, it's any women in Brookings area, um, just more in just more involved with each other to grow their relationships with the other women in the community and in the church and grow the relationship with God. The church has two website or Facebook pages. They're the Bethel Women's Ministry. We have a Facebook page of that and you can join that. Um, there's also a group, another group of ladies that um, I'm on the mentorship team of that group of ladies and that's called a program called BAM, um, Brookings Area Moms. And that one we just started up this last school year and we're kind of trying to decide what we're doing for the next school year. But there is a Facebook group for that as well. And that is totally geared towards moms in the community. And um, we had a good showing this year of moms coming out. And once again, we met two times a month and social distanced. And, but a number of those moms would get together outside those time frames and had play dates with their kids and different things like that. So we do try to offer as much as we can for the moms in the community. Within the BAM, we did see a lot of moms coming this year um, saying, oh, do they just needed to get away and, and just have some time for themselves. And they, they said numerous times how much they benefited just that hour and a half, two times a month. Um, we did offer childcare during that time too, so that if they needed to, they could bring their children with, and um, then they could have just some alone time. And many of the moms, we, we had Monday was our last meeting for the year, and we just had some snacks and whatever, and the moms were all like, oh, so thankful that we had this time, and, you know, we got to know, like, I personally got to know a couple moms that, you know, now if I see them in the community, we stop and chat, and, you know, so those are the things that have helped, and the moms always say that helps them so much. I've even ran into a few that I mentored in the old mops days, and I still sit down, you know, when we talk, when I run into them, they're like, oh, you know, so it's all those little one-on-one -on -one little relationships that develop, and it does help. Just knowing you can go talk to someone, give them a phone call, and I at the table on Monday, a couple of the mom, one of the mentor moms, and another mom, I could tell they had formed a good relationship with each other, and they're like, "Oh, here's my number, so we can still get together after this is all over, and so then I can ask you questions, or you know, so it's very good for." Moms need other moms, and especially when you're in this pandemic, when you feel so isolated, um, they seem to really appreciate that. Like Karma stated, moms need other moms. How important are support groups to help mothers cope? So important. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they're one of the things that, you know, were really hard to find this yeah. year, you know, whether you were, you know, a frontline worker and you were just like so in the weeds that you couldn't, you didn't have any space for that or whether or not you were physically distanced from your normal support group because, you know, everyone was in their homes. Like it's been a real tough year for moms who are normally used to sort of, you know, talking and sharing and you know is this normal is this not normal how's your day going you right. know yeah and I think some of the online ones have been helpful I mean I'm I'm a member of what's called the physician moms group literally a group of physicians and moms those are the only two criteria to be in it <laughs> be a doctor and be a mother 
and, and talk about yeah. parenting things, because there's a lot of things going along for frontline workers when the pandemic first started of, what do I do? What do I do with my kids? How do I keep my kids safe? You know, how do I keep my family safe? What do I do if I get positive? What if I do if one of my kids gets positive? You know, how do I manage, you know, extra shifts at work when we're all needed, all hands on deck, everyone has to be there? You know, and then people kind of talking about uh, what their rituals were when they came home. You know, this is where I'm, you know, you know, people stripping in the garage or living in the garage in a tent. I had a, a friend that actually did that for a while yeah. because they were so worried about bringing stuff into their family. You know, and people are saying, okay, talk me off the ledge here. Am I being excessive? Am, you know, is this evidence-based? Am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? You know, so having a sounding board yeah. of someone else to kind of talk you down off your ledge because doctors are great doctoring other people, but we are terrible at doctoring <laughs> Terrible ourselves. patients. Oh, terrible patients. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that, that that's absolutely true. And certainly I was one of those people that, you know, when we first sort of like all hands on deck, COVID hit South Dakota, like I was living in my guest room, you mm -hmm. know, and then which turned out to be fortuitous because I got COVID shortly after that. So I'd already sort of removed myself like from my family, you know, household at that point, you know, was that necessarily like, would I make that same decision if I knew everything I did now and would happen again this year? Maybe not, you know, mm -hmm. but I think at that point we were really looking at like very little data. We didn't It was know. just sort of like, well, I don't know, this is what I'm going to do and we'll sort of see how yeah. it shakes out. People in Italy and New York are dying. We don't want to be in those yeah. numbers. You know, this is the information yeah. we have and not much for treatment. So, And at that point, you know, it was a lot of unique challenges. I mean, most of the non-physician women that I knew with kids, I mean, were, were not working, you yes. know, they're outside of the home. They were either, mm -hmm. you know, not working at all outside the home or they were doing their sort of normal jobs, but they were doing them from home. Like I was one of the few people I knew, except for the group I worked with, that like still had to go out. And so sort of that additional stress of like, now I feel like I'm the vector <laughs> for my family. You mm -hmm. know, how do I protect my family from me, how do I protect right. the people that my family might interact with from me through them, you know, that sort of stuff. Like none of them really knew what that was because it was a challenge unique to me. Mm -hmm. So having other, you know, physician moms, yes. you know, was very valuable. Exactly. And I was uh, reading, uh, U.S. Department of Labor put out statistics um, and they said 78% of workers in a hospital are female. And when you think about housekeeping, mm -hmm. you think about cafeteria, you think about all the nurses, mm -hmm. you think about physicians, there are a lot of women keeping hospitals running. Yes. <laughs> it is run by women. I mean, in, even historically, hospitals were run by nuns. They were, oh. you know, a lot of times run out of convents. So women have had this um, tradition of being frontline workers and caring during pandemics and during health problems. And this was a very unique now, yeah, like you said, with everyone else, you know, working from home, staying from, which had its own unique set of challenges right. and difficulties. Um, but a lot of that, you know, and 70% of pharmacists are women. So you've got those people at risk and 51% of grocery store workers. So a majority of your front line that were going in to work were moms. And then the ones that needed, you know, childcare, uh, again, a lot of people dropping out because who is there to take care of the kids, you know? So, and very, very difficult. I mean, what it, do you do when your job requires you to be there for right. the functioning of society, but you, you know, you also have children. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that led to um, at least a lot of mom guilt for, for some people. Yeah. And, you know, and even those working from home, you know, are, 
are you being pre present with your kids? Well, no, you're, you're trying to work. And I don't think that ever worked out quite as well as anyone anticipated. You know, oh, I want to be nice to work from home. And it's challenging, yeah. you no. know, trying to create those separations of now I am at home, now I'm at work, or, and how those yeah. worlds just there, there are a lot of families that have spent a lot of time in small spaces for extensive periods of time, more so than they ever have, you know, mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the history of, you know, our current society. Yes. And, and that sometimes can cause tension between siblings <laughs> <laughs> and tension between, you know, spouses and tension between everyone. I mean, calls to domestic uh, hotlines, domestic mm -hmm. violence went up dramatically and around the world, not just the US. And then the other thing you know, worry about during this was so many of the children re relied on school as being a safe place, relied on school for meals. And mm -hmm. I know Brookings did a phenomenal job of getting meals out to kids, either delivering them to their houses or you know, having them where you could drive up and pick them up from the school and, yeah. and take them home. Um, you know, it was such a challenge to how do we keep children safe? How do we keep women safe? when you've got a pandemic and now everyone's at home, high stress, worried about jobs, worried about economic, you know, yeah. stressors, you know, it really could be, unfortunately, a, home wasn't necessarily a safe place for everyone yeah. this past year. Yeah. So, so definitely, you know, uh, resources, you know, getting out there, women's shelters, domestic abuse hotlines, you know, calling for that help and assistance is yeah. really important. So I would, you know, implore any viewers if you, you've got concerns about that to reach out. And if you don't know where to start, you know, um, 411, 211, I mean, you know, talking to your doctor, any of those um, lines would be a good place to reach out and start. So, oh, I love this question. This guy is really thinking for Mother's Day. What are three things a man should do for his wife during the COVID-19 pandemic? And what are three things he should not do? <laughs> <laughs> Three things that you should do. I mean, honestly, it's it's funny. I think like compliments are such a big thing that we've lost. You know what I mean? Like we've sort mm -hmm. of lost because you don't have as much interaction with other people. Like you're not like, oh, I'm you know wearing this new thing, and somebody says, oh, that's a very nice pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. or, like that doesn't happen as much anymore. Right. And certainly, when we're at home, we're maybe not dressed like that as much as we were. Like. Well, you know, this mm -hmm. year of yoga pants <laughs> at home, yeah. you know, so it's easy to be like, oh, whatever, we just look the same, everything's safe. but like that sort of stuff really is important to people. So to be like, you know, maybe it's not, you know, I, hey, you look really nice today. Or maybe, mm -hmm. hey, it's, hey, I noticed that you really like stepped up and doing this thing or you really helped out doing this. Or, hey, I noticed that you're putting in a lot more time and effort at work and I appreciate that or whatever it happens to be like, you know, you can't forget to sort of like, you know. Yeah. Gratitude goes a long way. Right. People are willing to do a lot as long as they're, you know, also a little bit recognized for what they're doing. It's the sort of mm -hmm. like taken for granted thing that really like leads to resentment and irritation and that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and I would say allowing them to have space. Um, one of the biggest gifts my husband gave me <laughs> one time was I was just completely overwhelmed and he's like, kids, we're going to Dairy Queen. <laughs> and they're like, where's mom? Like, Mom's not coming. I was like, why not? We're getting her a blizzard. <laughs> so I just go. I, I need some space and I need quiet and I need time to think. And I need a shower without little fingers under the door yeah. and someone knocking, when are you going to be out? You, know, you need that time so the gift of time i think is a 
Okay, yeah, good. and it's, it's hard. And sometimes you have to like push people to take it. Cause I know mm -hmm. early on, like I was like, well, I, you know, if I'm home with my kids, like I got to really be present and then I have to go to work and I'm working extra shifts. And it took a long time for, you know, a little bit of urging actually on Chris's part to be like, you, you need to run. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you need to go to the basement, use the treadmill, like you need that. It's good for your brain. And you'd be like, oh, I can't take that time for myself. But I, I totally need that time yeah. for myself. Like I'm better in every other aspect so, if I have that time. So permission, give them permission. Permission, permission and some activity <laughs> that keeps everyone else sort mm -hmm. of, you know, from knocking on the door. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, and, and I think another thing, um, ask them, do you want support or do you want me to fix it? <laughs> <laughs> because that is a problem with my, my husband and I. He learned very early on that when I come with him a problem, he's a problem solver. And he's like, okay, this is the problem, and this is what we're going to do to fix it, and this is what we're going to do. I'm like, no, that's not what I want. I want you just to hold me while I'm crying and tell me it's oh. going to be okay and listen. I want you to listen. I don't want you to fix me. I'm not broken. I just need someone to listen. Yeah. So maybe ask them do you and and sometimes i'm like you know what i totally want advice i want you to tell me let's brainstorm on how i can fix this problem so maybe yeah. women clarify do you want to fix or do you want support and i would start with the support first guys and then, and then go to the fix um and that's always a good thing yeah that actually is really good advice for like most things like i use that all the time because i also tend to be a little bit of a fixer like you come to me with a problem and i sort of am like okay well what can we do mm -hmm. and so i've i've really had to learn to be like would would you like me just to listen to you right now okay cool we'll yes. just listen <laughs> you know i won't yes. try and give you any advice we won't try and fix any of your problems mm -hmm. but you know sometimes people it's really hard to just be like to come to someone and be like i need you just to listen to me yeah you know it's not necessarily things we're used to saying, but mm -hmm. if you ask them, right. they'll be like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I would say things not to do, uh, don't minimize or discredit and say, you know, oh, it's not that bad or so-and-so has it worse or, you know, I don't care about so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me, let me feel this. So. Yeah, I would, I would say don't act like business is normal. I yeah. think, you know, this was not my experience because Chris was great, but like I, I do know people where it's like, well, the, the, the one partner just sort of assumed, okay, well, I have to work from home, but I'm going to work from home and I'm going to be like unavailable in my spot and you can sort of do things over here. You know, you have to sort of renegotiate new boundaries in this yeah. very weird world. Yeah. You know, you can't just assume like I have all of this space and time and you can figure it out. Like you really have to sort of attack it as, yeah as partners and communication i think communication yeah. is the biggest thing where you just talk to each other and let each other know um you know the meme where the guy's like looking at his phone she's like i wonder what he's thinking and it's usually some odd random <laughs> off the wall thing well yeah we want to know what you're thinking yeah. you know we want to know that you know if you're concerned too or am i just blowing this all out of proportion here is there something that you know i'm having issues with so yeah. Tell me it's not just me and I am not alone here and I'm not going crazy. Yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. But I would say um, biggest thing you can do, this is what my husband sometimes has done. He has stood at the doorway and thrown Hershey's Kisses at me. And I usually start eating the Hershey's Kisses <laughs> and laughing because it is so absolutely absurd and shows so much love because he knows I love chocolate and that fixes the problem and then we can go forward from there. So if... Worst comes to worst, throw Hershey's Kisses from the doorway and wait till she stops growling. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. I'm kudos for whoever. That was a great question. That was a very great question. So.
And now for the answer to tonight's Prairie Doc quiz question. How many women have dropped out of the U.S. workforce as a result of COVID-19? A, 550,000, B, 1.4 million, C, 2.3 million, or D, 3 million? And the answer is C, 2.3 million. The winner of tonight's quiz is Phyllis Verndell from Aberdeen, South Dakota. Thank you so much, Phyllis, for participating. A book will be in the mail soon. We'll be right back after this. Have you heard? The Prairie Doc has a podcast. Listen to Prairie Doc Radio and On Call with the Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcasts. These programs feature physicians and other health professionals discussing various medical topics important to you and your family. Look for Prairie Doc on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. The Prairie Doc Podcast. This has been an exhausting year for moms. Last spring, we had no idea we would still be dealing with this pandemic a year later. It presented difficult decisions such as in-person school or remote learning, how to work from home while caring for children, or how to pay the bills without work, when to let children visit their grandparents, what to do for birthdays and holidays, Regardless of the decision made, it seemed someone somewhere was judging our choice. But I want you to know, I see you every day doing the best you can. And to all the new moms, I see you when the OB floor was empty of friends and family there to celebrate the new life you brought into the world. If you were COVID positive, I see you with your beaming smile behind a mask as you hold your new baby. To mothers of toddlers, I see you trying to keep little fingers out of mouse as you teach them to wash their hands. I see you attempting to be professional on a Zoom meeting with toddlers giggling and playing in the background. I see you moms of elementary and middle school children as you took on the role of teacher to keep your kids learning during the shutdown. I see you search for answers to big questions from your children about when things will be normal again. Mothers of high school children, I see you consoling your juniors and seniors who missed out on sports seasons, proms, and graduation ceremonies that were either altered, cut short, or canceled. I see you advertising prom dresses for sale captioned, only worn once for pictures. I see you moms of college-aged children Yes, they are still your babies. And as they prepare to leave the nest for school or a job, this new world experience will not be the same one you remember. Yet I see you helping to make the most of it. Grandmothers, I see you too. You have two sets of babies to think about, your adult children and your grandchildren. I see you longing for their visits and hugs. And I see you when your family could not be with you in the hospital or the nursing home. Moms, I see you for the force of nature that you are as you nurture your family through this pandemic. To quote A.A. A. Milne, you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, 
even if we're apart, I'll always be with you. With much love and compassion, Tyler and Allie's mom, AKA Dr. Cruz. A big thank you to our guest, Clarissa, for volunteering her time to help us explore the stress caused by the pandemic as it relates to moms. We have made progress, but we cannot slow down. All of us here at the Prairie Dock encourage anyone who hasn't been vaccinated yet, please get your vaccine as soon as you are able to. It will protect not only you, but many of those who are around you who are also vulnerable. If you would like more information about this program or to see and hear more episodes of this program, please like and follow us on Facebook and YouTube or visit us at prairiedoc.org. And be sure to look for the pro this podcast of this program, Prairie Doc On Call, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is the last live program for this season. We have several new previously recorded programs that will follow and then selected rebroadcasts for the remainder of the summer. We have been through a lot this year and we are excited to move forward to the 20th season of providing honest, unbiased medical information. That does it for tonight. From all of us here at On Call with the Prairie Doc, until next time, stay healthy out there, people. medical care often seems pretty monochrome and straightforward. In truth, there is an important function of art involved, the healing power of art. Next time on Call with the Prairie Doc. Hello, I'm Dr. Ken Bartholomew from Pier. Last fall, I instituted the Healing Words Foundation Kayak Challenge, and we got a good start, but inclement weather and three cancer surgeries halted our progress. Now it's spring and it's time to pick up the paddle and resume my quest. I instituted this challenge last fall to try to keep Prairie Dock on the air and we need your donations to help do that. This will help keep advertisement-free medical education coming to the public. Won't you accept the challenge and support us with 10 cents, 25 cents, 50 or even a dollar per mile of the 411 miles I plan to have covered by the end of this summer. Go to prairie.org and click on the donate button or mail your donation to PO Box 752 Brookings, South Dakota. Be sure to include the word kayak in the memo. Major funding for On Call with the Prairie Dock has been provided by... Avera is a proud sponsor of On Call with the Prairie Dock on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Larson Manufacturing is proud to support On Call with the Prairie Dock as it continues to open doors for important medical information. 
and with the ongoing support of these individuals and institutions, Brookings Health System, Ophthalmology Limited, South Dakota Academy of Family Physicians, Avera Heart Hospital, First Bank and Trust, South Dakota Foundation for Medical Care, Dakota Allergy and Asthma, Vance Thompson Vision, Monument Health, Black Hills Medical Society, Brookings Madison Flandreau District Medical Society, Peer District Medical Society, Sioux Falls District Medical Society, Yankton District Medical Society, Aberdeen District Medical Society, Urology Specialists, Orthopedic Institute, Family Care Sanford Clinic Community Service Committee, Lake Ponset Sailing Academy, Aberdeen Asthma and Allergy, Dakota Bank, South Dakota American College of Physicians, and Swiftel Communications.